clubhouse. It's the shame that hurts the most, you know. But shame, it's in the mind. And you can turn that faucet off whenever you want to. Rough business becoming a man, ain't it? Beats the alternative, though. Come on, let's go to work. This is Sheila. Welcome to our Yellowstone podcast. Today we're covering episode five for season one. It's called Coming Home. The title of this episode confused me a little bit because, I mean, they say to Walker at the very end, you know, like, welcome home. But the way the play of events is going, I think it's more for Casey and Monica. The way that John's trying to set it up, you know, he's she's really oh, he's pushing. Yeah, he's really pushing. So, like, he's trying to make them feel welcome. And I think he's trying to get to them mostly through Tate. Yeah. <laughs> By making Tate love the ranch. Yeah, of course. Well, I thought it was a, a good play on the title. I feel like sometimes the titles don't necessarily match the episode. But in season three was, I think, the only time that they actually said the title of the episode in the show, right? Yeah, it's like they changed that. Yeah, because we were like, drink! They said the title. <laughs> <laughs> right. And even season two, I don't think they really had a definitive presence in the, in the episode itself. More just a... Uh, a reflection or an abstract of what's actually going on. I kind of get the feeling that it's also meant for Casey and Monica. This episode was pretty focused on Casey and Monica and just all the things surrounding their life. Yeah, this was the the swirl around them, definitely. Yeah, it was a good episode. I love <laughs> anytime we see the tornado from Beth. That's fun. <laughs> wow, this, this was a lot. <laughs> She's wreaking havoc and I love it. But yeah, it was a lot of Casey and Monica, which I love. I love them. So my criticism of the last two episodes really has been that it's been so busy that they've been laying down so much of the storyline and the storyline is grand like they have a lot of arcs to cover this one i loved because they honed it down to just a few essentials so i watched this one a couple of times just to make myself really familiar with it that was my thought about it was that it was really focused it was really detailed on just a couple of story arcs and really it was really centered around Casey and Monica. So, like, Jamie was very much a support to right. Casey and then also to Beth. Yeah, I felt kind of feel the same way about John. Like, he was just part of yeah, what was going on. So, the, And that's what I kind of thought the last episode, too, that John's really a supporting character in this. He's the, he's the main cog in the wheel, mm-hmm. pushing things along. But the action isn't really centered around him. It's kind of the, the domino effect that he's... The dominoes that really that he's lining up to set into right. effect. So yeah, I, and even Rainwater. Rainwater was in it, but he didn't have a large part to play. Right. So I like that we got a lot of time with Casey and Monica this episode. Because when you have to spend time with all of these characters, it gets, like you said, it gets a little busy. So I did like that too, that we can focus in a little bit, but still see Rainwater, still see Jenkins and his wife. <laughs> oh my gosh, she's a trip. She's <laughs> trouble, that lady. <laughs> oh, that was a really funny part too. Okay, so let's dive in. I want to talk about Casey and Monica. Same. Because the last episode, Casey was just arrested, and we don't really know why or where or where he went or what happened. 
you know, we see John, like we just said, John's sort of orchestrating everything. And here he is, like, trying to find Casey, trying to make the phone calls. And then he's like, well, don't mention Casey's name because I don't, like, I got to make sure I can, like, get out of this. Right. He needs to be able to close the door. Yeah. And he gets Jamie involved. Yeah, because he's a lawyer. I mean, that's what he's there for, right? Right. So anytime that they use the chopper, I kind of roll my eyes a little bit because Uh, it's just so ostentatious. It's so... (laughs) like Montana's big sky. Like, I feel like Montana's like, everything is like, go big or go home. Yeah. So anytime that they use the chopper, I kind of like roll my eyes a little bit because like, you know, Jamie's going to make this entrance as this like high powered, well-suited attorney. Not only is he a chopper, he's a Dutton and he's arriving in the chopper on the reservation. It's so much of an in your face, just screw you. I'm bigger than you. I'm better than you. That is just like, okay, that's how the tone's going to be. Got it. Yeah. I mean, that's why, is that why they have it? I mean, yeah. I I mean, and the fact that it matches the trucks, like, so the Yellowstone pickups are black with the yellow, you know, gold uh, lettering. So the fact that the chopper matches it, I just feel like, you know, this is the fleet. Oh, of course. Definitely. (laughs) It has to match. It has to. It has to be on point. Yes. I have a random thought or comment about that. So whatever episode we recently discussed where they were using the chopper to herd cattle Mm -hmm. and we were like, does that really happen? Like, come on now. Okay. So, and then you've heard me say how I spend way too much time on TikTok. Well, (laughs) I was scrolling through and I found a video of, I wasn't looking for it, but I just happened upon it of like somebody in a chopper and they were like videoing the cattle, like running around. I was like, whoa, seriously? I was like, it's like a real thing. Yeah. That's hilarious. I probably didn't send it to you because it was probably like 2 a.m. or something. So. That's okay. You can send me the TikTok. It's I fine. don't want to anytime. So TikTok is now for me what YouTube used to be. So yeah. now because TikTok is so much shorter, it matches my attention span. Yes. So, <laughs> so much better. Even uh, then, I mean, they're like 30 seconds or something. Even then, if you don't, if you're just talking, up, nope, scroll. Yeah. It has to be something, something interesting yeah. going on. I know, right? But so, uh, anyways, just wanted you to know, I did see that. And so it made me think like, okay, this might actually happen in real life. So back to good, <laughs> good follow up and, though. I mean, I appreciate yeah. the fact that, you know, you're diving into this, even in your personal time, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> spending a little too much time thinking about the dogs. Well, well, and I made a Yellowstone TikTok, so that's really dedicated. Oh, and by the way, go find it. It's awesome. What's your TikTok <laughs> handle? Give uh, it to the at the Steph stories, S-T-E-F. You know what? We're going to link it in this week's blurb for the, uh, the yeah. intro for the, um, for the episode here. So we're going to put that in there so you can watch TikTok and go down the rabbit holes. Yes, with me because that's where I am. Okay, where were we? Anyway, we're talking about <laughs> Jamie arriving at the reservation to deal with Casey. So what did you think about his arrival? So, I mean, I've already, like, prefaced it by saying that, you know, he busted in high-powered, yeah. high-suited attorney. My thought on it was that Casey and Rainwater seemed to sort of be working it out already on their own. Casey told him the truth of what happened with the two guys and that it was this guy's daughter, Danny or whatever. Rainwater seemed to be like, okay, well, I mean, that's not really a great solution, but maybe we would have done the same thing. Kind of feeling I got out of it. And then Jamie sort of barges in and he was being so annoying. He's like using all his lawyer speak. And I mean, I'm assuming you have proof of this. And I don't know. It's like they kind of already had their little session worked out and Jamie just sort of. But I thought Rainwater was being slick with Casey because Casey did ask for an attorney and Rainwater kind of flips the script on him going, well, I thought we had some trust 
and yeah. you know re- lawyers are short on the res kind of thing so it was it was intentional to get casey to start talking right but he uh, also yeah. wasn't wrong but i mean also like the trust that rainwater developed with casey was when he was trying to get info on casey's yes. dad so uh, I don't know. It's, it was a little murky for me. So, but I mean, the fact that Jamie busted in the way that he did was a nice answer to to yes. the sort of the the problem I had with. Hey, can I have an attorney? Oh, we don't actually have any. No, I think Jamie was needed in the scene. Like he needed to show up. But I just felt like they sort of had a peaceful conversation going where they were actually discussing what happened. I was surprised that Casey told him exactly what happened. Yeah, I didn't think he had much to lose from it because his story can be easily backed up. Yeah, that's true. And you that's know? what Rainwater says. Like, yeah, that if that lines out, then like, okay, we kind of get it. But I also think Rainwater was disappointed that it was two white guys. That I thought <laughs> yes. that he had Casey. Like, this was a way for him to like get to John by you know getting his son. And then it was there was like this this like shadow across his face at one point where it's just like, oh, uh-huh. didn't. Well, I think too because the way Rainwater's face looked at the crime scene when they found the bones, it did seem like he thought that those two people were, you know, made from the, the reservation. reservation. Yeah. Yes. I agree. So I, I agree with yeah. that. I think the fact that they were, you know, foreigners that did not belong there. And the fact that they preyed on a, gr- on a young girl right. from right. the reservation. So, so but it yeah, sort so of like excused his behavior a little bit. A little too bit. Ra- yeah. Yeah. Too, too wrong. So make her right. Right. <laughs> The bane of every mother's existence. (laughs) (laughs) But he hit me first. Yeah. So I I just loved how just Jamie just knocked down just like one question rapid fire after the other and Mm -hmm. gets uh, just the the smirk on his face. In any other situation, I would have wanted to slap his face because just when people act like that, you just want to smack him. Yes, yeah, bring him back down to size. But I was really impressed when Rainwater, you know, smirks back at Jamie. He's like, "You, I heard about you. You're good." Yeah, I was kind of like, yeah, "Oh, yeah. he's the one." He's like, Jamie's "Oh, I good. heard about you." <laughs> I feel bad because Jamie, like, this was his moment to shine, and he did. Because every other interaction with his family, he's always been like the punching bag to me. So I, I'm yeah. glad that he got a moment in the sun kind of thing. Yeah, I think he did a good job. I do like too. Well, handling the meeting, or and whatever. then he got Casey out and, and got, got the gun it. barrel switched back, and just yeah. <laughs> Call me if you have anything further. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> you know, there was something interesting that Rainwater said that he says, "Oh, I think we've been worried about the wrong Dutton in talking about Jamie because yeah. he says that you know lawyers know how to break the law better than anyone else." And I was like, mm, "I'm going to tuck that away for a future encounter." Right. I did note that too. Like, yeah, he was like, "Oh no," like that Jamie's formidable so he really hasn't seen the duttons full out he's only seen casey he's had an interaction with john lee's no longer in the picture and i don't know what he knows about beth right so i I think he's impressed with the talent that the duttons have yeah i think you're right i don't know that he knows anything about beth i don't think so he sees casey like like he said a spider with all these sort of things that are connected and unanswered questions but then he gets and a glimpse chaos into, a lot of chaos gets, around <laughs> right always at the wrong place at the wrong time exactly. um but yeah you're right seeing jamie walk in and sort of handle the situation he's like oh this is the one we gotta worry about right because i mean he made sharp work of them in in under five yes. minutes which is like okay and we're done okay good and I like the, as they were walking out the door, too, that, uh, you know, Casey was muttering to Jamie. He goes, well, I'm going to need that other part back. And Jamie's like, not on your life. 
yeah. Like the big brother, like, I don't think so. Absolutely. It was just such a perfect interplay between them because it's like, I just, just literally bailed you out of jail. Right. And they have different laws here, so they could prosecute you. They could hold you. Like, there's there's differences. And I just got you out, and now you're asking me for your gun back. It's like, no, you're not getting your toys back. Right. <laughs> so you sit in the corner, you think about what you did. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then they get in the chopper and they go home. Right. (laughs) Of course. The chopper. We haven't seen much of him in action, so he's literally just been the punching bag the last couple of episodes. So it was good to see his talents on display. Although just about that comment, the punching bag comment, I thought that happened again when at the beginning of the episode, they were looking at the horses and Jamie like didn't know the price of the horse. And then (laughs) John, he's like, you can't do that. And John's like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm like, yes, you can. He's the ranch manager. He manages your money. Like it's his job to tell you, you can't afford that horse. That whole, actually that whole horse scene, if we could just talk about that for a second. I have no concept of that world whatsoever. I find it fascinating that you can get horses to do what they got the horses to do. And yes, that $5 million horse that they were talking about at the very beginning is a beautiful horse. But, you know, me being me, I did a little digging to (laughs) see. Uh, So I was like, $5 million for a horse. I feel like Whoopi Goldberg from Ghosts, which goes, $5 million. (laughs) This was a very interesting take because you hear even john say he goes does it look like i have sand i'm from san diego stamped on my brim so right basically say like i wasn't born yesterday you know i'm a real cowboy i'm the real deal you can't pull this over me you know as a dig to all the transplants that come out to montana and buy a branches pretending to be cowboys the guy that he's talking to travis is actually taylor sheridan who's the show writer and the creative force behind it so he mentions kate mccutcheon has been riding custom-made guns so and that's the horse that they show next. It's not quite as expensive. <laughs> so even though the caption says Kate, I think they may, meant Kate, C-A-D-E, McCutcheon. Yeah. He's from two very legendary Rainer families. And Custom Made Gun is a real horse that he rides. So Custom Made Gun is now fetching a $3,500 breeding fee. I looked this up. <laughs> With frozen and international shipping available. Oh, my God. Girl, I am in the wrong business. Girl, do you really want to be in the business of Oh no, I would pay somebody for thirty five hundred dollars. I will pay someone to do that. I will handle I will handle all of the shipping. I will handle all of those transactions. Somebody else can actually go get the horse uh, seed. The um, seed. <laughs> oh, and the horse actually resides at a resort in Rome, Italy. What? Yeah. So but to keep he this even more in the family, Kate McCutcheon won almost $400,000 in Taylor Sheridan's run for a million competition. And it was highlighted in another Taylor Sheridan show from 2019 called the last cowboy, which showcased the contestants in the run up to the, the, that final competition. Why did Taylor Sheridan have a competition? I don't know. Maybe he wanted another show. So, cause he did get a show out of it. Wants to be a cowboy. Maybe. Because every time we see him in the show, he's in this cowboy Travis capacity. Like we see him again. He comes back in season two, I believe. Mm -hmm. And then so he comes back in season two and he's basically promoting the McCutcheon family again with this show. Keeping that all in the family. So if you are in the horse business. Yeah. It's good to know Taylor Sheridan. Yeah, basically. Sorry. Sorry for that little, you know, cutaway. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that happens. That's awesome. (laughs) Five million dollar horse. That's a five million dollars. But yeah, apparently, bigger. but you make it back. What did he say? In a year and a half. 
Well, I thought he said like three years. Oh, three years, maybe. At $3,500 a pop? Yeah. <sighs> okay. Can we get off Can this topic of conversation? <laughs> so after Jamie swoops in with and rescues Casey, Casey's thinking that he's going to go back home to his house on the reservation, but Jamie tells Casey that, no, Monica and Tate are at the ranch. Right. So they all go back to the ranch, and, and Casey's just like, this is just going from great to worse. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he, like, sort of implies, like, uh, if your wife came to your dad for help, like, you messed up. And Jamie's pretty nasty about it, too. He said, mm-hmm. you know, she swallowed a lot of pride for you, and he's, you know, don't we all? And he was very, very oh. much on his high horse. Um, yeah. Like, Jamie's, you know, poop doesn't stink either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ah. Yeah, yeah, so then he gets back to the to the ranch, and, and John's already had this conversation with Monica about thinking about their future, and it felt like a scolding in certain ways. I don't know if I'm reading that. To Monica? S- yeah, to Monica. With, you know, talking about a parent only needs to live for tomorrow, and they need to stop surviving and think about the future. I don't know. It felt out of place a bit for me. The way that their relationship is sort of set up it feels like this might be the first time that she's ever really talked to John. Yeah. I get that feeling like, too. Maybe she's seen him in passing or whatever, but I don't like he's approaching her and telling her that she's doing things wrong. Like that's not going to work, dude. You telling me that I <laughs> need to think about changing my life and catering to yours. No. And he, fe- it feels well-intentioned, but his delivery to her is very stern. It feels like a parent mm-hmm. scolding a child. Exactly. And I'm comparing that then to the very familiar, the very friendly relationship that he's developing with Tate. And it feels different to me because he's actually working on the relationship with Tate. Yeah. This is really kind of the first time we see the two of these characters conversing. Right? Monica and John. Yeah. I was just trying to think. In the show. At some point she says to him too, like, you're not the man that like I've heard of. Yeah. That she's trying to square. I've heard. Right. She's trying to square the two of the two versions of him. I mean, think about like, if you like meet this guy and you, you guys are together, you're married, whatever you have kids together. And all you've ever heard is his version of like, he's not in contact with his family. He has a freaking brand on his chest. Like he joined the military to get away from these guys. Like, I feel like there's a lot of negative, like she's already 100% negative. Well, she's had of years him. of just hostility. Yeah. I mean, you know, built up in her mind about him and what he put her husband through. <laughs> right. Yeah, so he's having that conversation with her a little bit later on. And, you know, she talks about how great he is with Tate. And he says that, you know, I'm getting to do with him all the things I get, didn't get to do with my own kids. And that's where she's trying to reconcile the two the two men yeah. that she's heard about. Right. It just feels like this is them just getting to know each other. But what I love about Monica is that she just sees john for who he is she sees through all of this like kindness of like giving tate cookies and like playing with them and she's like i still know who you are like i and the whole thing about him orchestrating this job for her i think you're right i think he honestly just wants casey and monica and tate there to like sort of protect them he's trying to sort of protect the ranch i think he wants them home sort of oh i completely agree but his method is way off it's like he doesn't even know her. He doesn't know her. I love what she's like. Her commentary on it is like, you're offering me this job, $70,000 a year. Like, that's a lot of money for them, apparently. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of money for, for me. Um, but 
she's like, you don't get it. Like if I take this job, then who takes my place? No one, like no one's on the reservation teaching those children. It's clearly not about the money for her. Yeah. She, I, the, the fact that she like coughs into her coffee cup with the salary. <laughs> yeah. It's like, please don't take a sip when you, you know, they're going right. to offer you this. It's a very concerted effort on John's part to get them to oh, see yeah. that, you know, there is a better life that they don't have to struggle quite so hard. Whether or not it's the right way to go about it, no. he's he doesn't know Monica, so he's trying the best way he knows how, I think. And coming in with Jamie, with the actual president of the university, is a softer way to go about it. Because I think if John was sitting there next to her to start, oh, yeah. this would have been, her arms would have been crossed. Whereas, you know, she's <laughs> you know sipping on a cup of coffee because, you know, Jamie is not as threatening as John. Right. And I did appreciate the diatribe that she offered on the lack of teachers showing her loyalty to the reservation, even though we know it's wavering. The way that John is going about this is he's using Tate the most. Well, and he's sort of relentless in this pursuit today in this episode because he then goes after Casey, too. Yeah. I don't feel like he really went after Tate. Like, he wasn't plugging these little comments in Tate's head. But even Tate was like, why don't we live here? Like, this is awesome. But he is using Tate in a very strategic way because... And I use the word use, but I don't mean it in the mean sense that he's, he's trying to develop this relationship with Tate and the moment where they're tossing the rocks in the trough, you know, making that an undercover physics lesson, but they're having fun. Yeah. And then anytime Kevin Costner makes a baseball reference, like, you know, having too much Mm -hmm. sauce on the rock, um, (laughs) you know, it just brings me back to like Field of Dreams and and whatnot. And then Tate's so funny, like I should back off the sauce. It's just one of those really (laughs) cute moments. But then- the, the ranch just becomes this this mega world for yeah. Tate. There's there's endless things to do, ways for him to fall into rivers. Yeah, I mean, what little to, boy wouldn't want to live there? Like, that's... You know, and then, you know, he's got the big house, and he John's like, you're staying with me tonight. So he's got this huge bedroom. I'm sure he's got this teeny tiny shoebox back home on the reservation. Yeah. Whereas now he basically has his pick of bedrooms. How would you not want to live there? And yeah, then yeah, sure he takes it out on, on Casey later on when, you know, Casey's like, man, we ain't living here. But then John lays into Casey. Like you said, he's relentless. Yeah. His desire is pure in the sense. I think so. Like, you know, it as a parent, pure. you would always want your kids to be safe and provided for. Yeah. And you, if you and see not be that struggling. they're struggling, you're going to step in. You're going to do what you can to to help out agreed yeah and this is and then he has he has actual work for casey to do and he has an opportunity for monica yeah poor casey casey's just not about it (laughs) monica's just not about it and casey's response is on brand for him i thought i think so yeah I just feel like Casey and monica are just not here about the money like they're not interested in that lifestyle for that reason like they need a better reason to come live there than luxury. <laughs> and right. I don't know. Like, they're like not you afraid said, of I mean, Monica. Work. Yeah, Monica is loyal to her people, and Casey is obviously okay with that and like on board with that. It's like something you've decided with your spouse, and like, oh, we're gonna live here. We're gonna li- live this kind of lifestyle. And then like your mother-in-law is like, well, you guys should like do this and this, and you're like, mm, no, yeah, no, <laughs> nah, no. Yeah, because also it's like you know. If you're a kid and your parents suggest something, even if you're older yeah. and you're no longer a child, you're still going to have that rebellious yeah. streak in you to be like, do I really need to listen to you still? You can't make me do that. 
but also when they go back to the reservation you know monica's right his cousins are no longer there his world is different now yes when they go back there she's not ready to have that conversation with him yet there so that's how they end up staying the night and i feel like this is how they end up you know possibly staying forever because right i mean it is a good option for them like right you know if your kid is unhappy and there's better opportunities how do you say no to that Right. But John did have a very funny comment to Jamie after the meeting with the president of the university was over. He says, mm-hmm. those two are perfect for each other. They're allergic <laughs> to logic. I'm like, yeah. I am going to use that phrase because I know a lot of people who are allergic to logic. <laughs> and, you know, John's looking for some leverage to make them stay. So I feel like John's going to win out in this situation because John seems to get what he wants in the end one way or right. another. Like, I well, feel like I mean, he's going to like, kind of make sense for them. Like, yeah, but I feel like, you know, if they don't agree to stay in the ranch, they'll like foreclose on their reservation house somehow. Uh, <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> I just feel like, like anything he does, he sets his mind to. It's like, oh, well, you know, thy will be done. <laughs> he got to a priest, damn it. <laughs> I know. He has. He's got some reach. Endless reach. Yes. Yeah. I think that's it for Casey and Monica. I don't know. Do yeah. you know anything else? That I mean, no. and this was a big chunk of the episode. I really liked the time that we got to see with them. And then at the very end, we got some just, you know, one-on-one Monica and Casey time and they end up having a fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about, about his father, basically. I feel like this is going to be a source of tension, too, between them. Because it's hard to resist John because he's going to get, like I said, he's going to get his way one way or another. But also the opportunity for Tate that we mentioned. Right. Well, I mean, I know their compound, their ranch, is big enough for them to not actually live together, but moving in with your in-laws... Essentially. ...is always going to be a challenge. A challenge. Actually, moving in with your actual family (laughs) will always be a challenge. (laughs) I say that uh, fish and house guests start to stink after three days. (laughs) That's what I say. Fish in the house. You're but I mean, like you said, at the ranch, like, you know, he said you can have the trapper's cabin for tonight. So yeah. there is actual space that you don't even have to right. be in the house. But still, I feel like you're in the world of your Oh, absolutely. In-laws. You're in the sphere, for sure. Yes. There's, <laughs> so. there's just meddling to be done. <laughs> so, I know. So I think we have a little bit more, like Jamie sort of moves into, he wasn't sort of a big character in this episode but he also has a pretty crazy scene with beth Mm -hmm. and so i want to talk about beth and her wild ride today yeah she is she's doing some day drinking she's doing some day drinking right was that day drinking i mean that was hardcore yeah that was day sloshing i don't know yeah day sloshing yeah well it started out day drinking with her boss we met bob her boss from schwartz and my well we met him in the first episode but now we see him back uh, yes. visiting her and he's imploring that her sabbatical be over. There's some weird sexual tension between these two. Right? She, and she even says, she goes, if you were so 20 years weird. younger. I don't know if I could ever say that to my boss. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you don't. Yeah, but I mean, you know, but the fact that she does, it's just like, there's just weird tension around her. Yeah. But he offers her a nice proposition that he wants to open up a, a business, uh, an office rather, in Montana based on her assessment that there's lots of money to be had in Montana. To be squashed. Yes. You know, and throw a boomerang and hit five billionaires. I'm like, I need to move to Montana. <laughs> right? I mean, we're not single, so what would, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know. Anyway. In a, in a different world. 
Yes. Okay. In yes. a fan, in a pretend world, yes. we would move to Montana. If I was, if I was twenty years younger and could and do find something a billionaire, different, do something different. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, single ladies, make your way to Montana. Yes. Because there's so much to do out there, and apparently you can only day drink because the nightlife is <laughs> end, ending night. early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. So, okay. So, well, I mean, she's probably having a drink with Bob. She has like two drinks with Bob. At least two. So that starts her day. But I love how they discuss Dan Jenkins. Like they decide to like overtake him, right? Is that yeah, basically. the gist of the conversation? Sure, and she's he... like, but aren't y'all friends? And he's like, well, I mean, we're all friends. This but is business. This is business. Yeah. Like, damn. Bob is as hardcore as Beth. I guess there's a reason why they're so successful. Yeah. So, so I thought that was funny that they were like, of she mind. has... A reason to mess with Dan personally for the ranch, and now her boss is telling her to take him down too. So I feel like poor Dan doesn't stand a chance now. Oh, that he doesn't know what's coming. Like, I mean, she's now there's like both barrels, personal and professional, right? are aimed at him now, and basically poor has the, the blessing. <laughs> right. So the fact that she just walks over, you know, to get her new drink and just starts flirting with his wife. Yeah. <laughs> What there's because there's no other way. It was oh my hilarious. Gosh. And his face, how uncomfortable he looks. The look on his face, I loved it. Like I was laughing. Like, he's both oh, terrified and repulsed. Yes. He's like, <laughs> oh he like she like the cringe in his face when she sits down, he's like, Oh, here we go. But his wife just like falls right into it. I don't know, yeah. like if a woman walks up to you and your husband, like you're sitting down at a bar and a woman comes over like that and is throwing around some questionable words like, oh yeah, we flirted with a couple of things. Yes. I don't know if my next thing would be like, pull up a bar stool, come so sit with us. drink. Or we could get like... into trouble together. Like, oh my God. I, I just didn't appreciate I'd be like, how like, who are you was. and yeah. what are you doing here? Well, they painted her in a very like, not ditzy, but. Yeah, know. ditzy. She didn't have much depth. Just yes, not much substance there. She's like a bored housewife or something. Like he doesn't pay her any attention. They're out here in Montana. She's like, oh god, there's like nothing to do. Right, and she even mentions she goes, I think I might have made my first friend. Like I, I I felt bad for her in that moment because that is a very lonely existence. If that's what you know, your situation looks like. I think she's just like entertaining Beth because she ain't got nothing better to do. Right. Well, this this will be my entertainment for today. Yes. (laughs) And then Beth is outside. When she is trying with the lighter, yeah, the multitude of times, like the several attempts with the lighter, I was cracking up. I mean, it's not nice because she was obviously very drunk, and but yeah. I mean, it was very funny for me. She's like, just forget it. I think my favorite little thing of this episode was when she's trying to call Jamie and his ringtone for her. Yes! Oh my gosh, it's the Twilight. <laughs> it's like. Like it's the screeching, it's the like howling for the Twilight witch. Zone. It, no, it wasn't really, was it though? Yeah, it is. I know. It's like the intro like to the Twilight too. Zone. I feel like they're slightly different. Okay, but uh, it doesn't matter. But anyways, it was very like I loved it. I was like, of course that would be very like strung out and scary. Yeah, <laughs> like she, the witch is calling, like, and he's Ugh. whispering, "Fuck you, fuck, fuck you, stop <laughs> calling me." And he's like finally sits down with a drink, and then the phone rings, and he's like, "Oh my god." <laughs> I thought it was interesting. Her name is Bethany Dutton. I know. I, I would have thought Elizabeth. I don't know. I just never, I never gave it a second thought, honestly. Yeah. So he comes but, to rescue her. So, I mean, again, like, if you hate the man so much, why is he your go-to for several of your problems that you need to solve? 
I just don't I get mean, that. who else could she have called? She's not going to call John. Rip uh, is her, like, get-out-of-jail-free card for everything, it seems I like. Guess, but... You know, Rip was otherwise engaged, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Yeah. He but... wasn't nearby. But, mm. uh, yeah, so Jamie goes to go get her, and she has her epic alcohol-fueled meltdown in the car. Oh, my gosh. The more I learn about Beth, the more I... Especially since we saw how the mom died. I yeah. feel worse and worse for her. That... This poor woman, I, I, I am feeling a lot of sympathy for her, that she's exhibiting a lot of symptoms that she needs help. Well, that's what he said. He's like, this is a cry for help or something, you know, whatever. That's pathetic or something. But Jamie's also the only one who actually calls her out for her bad behavior. Yeah, he's over it. Like, he's like... And then the thing with the gun. Oh, my gosh. So firearms yes. should not be as accessible to the Dutton family as they are. <laughs> It's just a little... Girl, they all got one in their pocket. What are you talking we about? We pocketbook, the glove box, you know. They're, they're, I'm sure, this is like, Montana. Like, do you know how many people in Texas have a gun in their car? Oh, I know. A lot. I know. But, I mean, with the Dutton specifically, because they're, they're, they're a little they're unhinged. Because they're so unstable. <laughs> yeah, they're a little unhinged. A little reckless. I'm not sure if Beth being home is producing more of this unhinged behavior because we didn't get to see her much in salt lake basically the opening of the first episode we saw her ripping apart a company she seemed very well put together yes but i think this is her ability to function with the alcohol abuse that she goes through with her mental instability because she definitely has very unstable traits the trough bath on the mom's anniversary there's a I mean, lot. this is like, for someone who is in, I would say that's trauma, childhood trauma, of uh-huh. like, the whole mom thing, and like, she clearly hasn't dealt with it. Like, this is, ever triggers everywhere. Like, I feel like this is very bad for her, like, situation. Yeah, and, to be home, right? Yes, to be home and surrounded by all this, and whatever's going on with Jamie, like, they have some sort of underlying hatred or something, so it's like... But yeah, there's a special brand of hate for him. Yeah, so like, that's being front and foremost in her... And it's like, this girl is just like, she's losing it. She pulls a freaking gun out in the car. I'm like, what? Then she cocks it. I was like, oh, jeez. Oh, like, like all you need hard. to do, Jamie, is hit a wrong bump. And she, yeah, it's it, going to be Pulp Fiction all over the back of that car. That's what I was about to say. It's like, it's not hard to shoot a gun once it's cocked. And she's drunk. So already <sighs> her, you know, motor skills are not where they should be. It was very unsettling for him to be like, just do it. Go ahead. I don't care. I was like, oh, my God. It was pretty hard to watch. I did not like it. <laughs> so I'm not actually clear what she shot because the gun did go off, but there's no holes did through the roof. Did you think that, like, did, okay, so they sh- the gunshot goes off, the brakes slam on, and the car, like, skids. What mm-hmm. did you think happened? Did you think she shot herself? My initial thought was she shot Jamie. I thought so too, but then I was like, "Well, the car stopped. Like, you don't yeah, stop like, the car if you're yeah, freaking shot." In the but head. just in the, in the flash of the <sighs> moment, I was like, "Oh, she shot him!" Yeah. Because like he was screaming, "Do it, do it!" You know, and yes. I don't, I don't think that she's strong enough to actually kill herself. Does that make sense? I, I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah, mentally, like I don't think that she would be able to do that. But kill Jamie, I'm pretty sure she could do that. <laughs> Seeing as how she yeah. snot at him in the bar a couple episodes ago. <laughs> But yeah, so I'm not actually sure what she shot. Maybe the floor? Because something got shot. No windows were blown out. Jamie's not shot and she's not shot. So I'm thinking she shot. I thought she just shot the roof, like shot up to the roof. Yeah, I'm not sure. Also, I I always have to point out these sort of unrealistic things. Like if you shoot a gun in a car, like y'all will not be talking after this. Like they they stop the car and they're just having it. Like your ears would be be, like, what? 
You couldn't hear, you would not be able to talk. Your ears would be hurting so bad. But anyways, they talk. (laughs) And the pain in her eyes where she's like, if you watched your mother look at you with no love. Yeah. That was was hard to watch. It was hard to listen to. It was so hard. Because she's still blaming herself. Uh, It was terrible. 20 years later, basically. Still blaming herself. It was also pretty, I don't know if scary is the word, but just emotional how quick Jamie went from like, do it, just kill yourself, do it, to like, if you need to hate me to like, not hate yourself, I w- I'm here for you. Like, that's who, I- you can hate me. I was like, damn. It kind of shows that Jamie's like, still a decent dude way yeah. down, even though he's got to <sighs> put up with a lot in his family. I just don't, I mean, him yelling at her to do it, like, I, don't, I can't take that. Like, don't, don't, I don't, don't somebody you, like, on, hate someone. Yeah, like, don't, don't egg someone on who's so fragile at the moment. Yeah. And I, that was not. Now, now you're drunk, so there's obviously other things in play, which are clouding your good judgment. <laughs> Poor Beth. I do feel really hard to watch. And then it got worse. It got so much worse when they get home and she has this screaming fit in the closet after spotting, you know, John reading a book to Tate in bed. (sighs) And the whole house can hear it. How did Tate not really react to that? Like, he didn't act like he heard it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That was really gut-wrenching and just, it was painful. Yeah. Really. And it just kept going. (sighs) It's too much. I can't handle it. (laughs) (laughs) I would not, I can't live in that house. <laughs> but I do feel bad. There's another moment after, so after the screaming stops and she's, you know, probably passed out on her bed finally, where John and Jamie are talking. And I felt so bad for Jamie in this moment where John is saying he's not going to send Beth back to Salt Lake, that she needs him to be evil and Jamie can't do that. And how nice yeah. it is to have Casey home. I just feel like Jamie's the one who stayed. Yeah. Lee, Lee stayed. Like- Jamie stayed. And now... Jamie, you know, bailed Casey out and got basically no charges filed against him, got him released, rescued Beth, brought her home safe, despite the gun incident, and all of the work that he's done, like he's doing the attorney general thing, you know, for for his father, basically, and there's just no appreciation for him. So that's why, like, when Rainwater was praising Jamie earlier on in the episode, I was like, he needs that. Yeah. Because he is trying. I just don't understand why every single family member, I guess except for Casey, is just like shitting on Jamie all the time. Like, well, Jamie shit on Casey, me. so there's definitely something. I there. know, I know, but it's just this whole family. Okay, but yeah, you guys, we, but yeah, we come back week after week because we like them. This I is know. Weird. Why? Why do we like them? Because they're awesome. Yeah, they are. Um, I like that he appealed to John, though. Like, you need to send her back. Like, this is so not healthy for her. Right. I appreciate that he went on her behalf of, like, dude, she's losing it. Right. This is not good. Do you think John is right in what he said, that Jamie can't be evil like Beth can? I don't know if we know Jamie enough. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, I don't think he's been given the airtime enough to know what he's capable of. I mean, we saw him in action against Rainwater with Casey this episode. And other than the first episode where we met him, where he was talking about, like, the eminent domain and things like that. Yeah. We haven't really seen what he's capable of. Right. So we don't know enough. We just know that he's the punching bag, that he's sort of the butt of a lot of jokes in the family, and yeah. now feels underappreciated. I feel like he's he's ripe to be volatile. Right. <laughs> in his own way. I mean, oh. vol- like, Beth volatile is, like, one end of the, right? the pendulum. Sort of Casey as ambivalent as he is on the other side. So Jamie's somewhere in the middle. 
Oh my goodness. I though feel like maybe John is just as evil as Beth, but like in a controlled, conniving, planned out kind of way. Yeah, I don't think we're ever going to see John have a screaming fit the way no. that Beth does. He seems to have a lid on his emotions where she's kind of unraveling, it feels. Yeah. The, the longer we see her home, it's just, it's getting more tense for her and it's getting harder to watch. This, this was a rough episode for her. It really was. And watching her, that whole car ride home with Jamie was pretty brutal. Yeah. I did have to laugh, though, at Jamie when he... So when Beth was having her screaming fit and Jamie was pouring himself the drink, he's looking, like, towards the room that she's in. And the look on his face, like, I've seen that look on my husband's face where it's just like, my son, when he was younger, wouldn't go to sleep. would just be like, just go to sleep. That's the look on his face. Like, as a parent whose child just will not go to sleep. Like, just like I recognize that look. <laughs> like he, in That's his mind, hilarious. he's like, "Will she just pass out?" <laughs> right. It's like, but mom, can I just tell you one more thing? Like, oh. and now I'm thirsty. <sighs> We're like, oh my god. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like ten minutes. You know, it's, it's like ten minutes into whatever you were supposed to be doing after they'd gone to sleep, and you're just like, <laughs> so. Ah. so speaking of people who are drunk and annoying, I felt okay. bad for Dan with his wife when she got. Home. Oh my god. <laughs> Sorry, that was a weird segue, but... But it was a good one. Yeah. You're right. How annoying is it to be the sober one when the other, like... So, yes. like, like, if you're the drunk one... Oh, no, sorry. If your spouse is the drunk one or your girlfriend's with the drunk one, right? And you're out. Oh, and you oh have to be the sober one. And you have to witness and not give in to the shenanigans that the drunk person... Like, how many times have you been in that situation? I mean, I'm usually That's the so drunk annoying. one. <laughs> Coming up with the bad ideas, going like, hey, let's do this. No, no, she like, not no, doing that. Let's, let's get down from there. Yeah, yeah. But let's, yeah, let's not cross the railroad tracks when you're drunk. <laughs> That's happened. Um, yeah, and then he's just giving her no mind, and he calls this lady Melody. And yeah. is looking for the Armageddon rate. <laughs> the look on his face, too, like the exhausted, like just like yes. mentally, like I am done, is the same look that Jamie had on his face. Like Word. he's just like, seriously, no more of this. Like, Word. and then his, he's on the phone. And I felt like, okay, whatever the Armageddon rate is, like that sounds very bad. Well, yeah, like, but, it, and it sounds like he's. He's pulling like he's, out all the big guns. Well, again, yes. he's, he's still... We haven't seen anything now from the fallout of the moving of the river. Right. So I feel like this is like he's had some time to regroup and lick his wounds, literally. <laughs> yeah, he's coming back with something. He's not walking away. But no. but it was funny, the look on his face with her. her and she's, He's trying to be on the phone. She's like, come over here. Yeah. <laughs> and she's proposing a threesome with Beth. And he's like, our yeah. daughter is right down the hall. Like, I just, I felt for him in that moment. Like, oh, man. Like, like oh, yeah. my God. He's like, I haven't had enough alcohol for this. That's right? the look out of his face. She's like, fine. She, like, storms off and slams the door. Yeah. Like, okay, I'll good. Do Thank I'll you. do it myself. I'll do it myself. <laughs> he's like, good. Go for it. Yeah. Just, just go away. You're right. That was funny. That was funny. So that was like the, the few little moments I, I've, I've, I'm picking up on, on what they're doing now in terms of allowing a little bit of humor to break yeah. up all of the drama. So, <laughs> you know, that was, that was our big laugh moment for this episode as well as Tate. Anytime, anytime Aww, Tate's with John. He's just so cute. Gotta back off the sauce. You're a nine. <laughs> <laughs> You're nine. Yeah. He is adorable. He really is. 
So the last thing we need to talk about is our bunkhouse boys. Yes. Our handsome our men. Cowboys and roughnecks. If I'm telling you, like, okay, we, we talked about TikTok. There are so many TikToks about Rip. Uh-huh. I mean, everybody loves him. They're all thirsty for Rip. But I, I feel bad. Like, so we saw Jimmy again. And, and I'm, I'm really gaining oh, a soft spot for him. I really am. He's kind of a fuck up. Like, yeah, like he just really this is. Poor guy, and man. He's mouthing how much he hates this job. <laughs> I know. Oh, that was funny too. He's like, I hate this job. I hate this job. Like, yeah, and, he, and he's obviously in so much pain trying to get on this horse. Yes. And Lloyd. I love him. He could have been such a different person in this moment, and he was just so gentle. Yeah. That kind. I didn't, I didn't expect that. Anytime that they bring Lloyd in, I am just, yes, more Lloyd time. Yes. Well, yeah, maybe not so much the last episode with the train station. Well, you but, know, uh, but I mean, he's, but I again, like these his are multifaceted people, but these are multifaceted people, so they have to have their different sides. I like his interactions with Jimmy for sure. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And the, I like what he said too, or I just, I don't know why I liked it so much when he said it's tough business becoming a man. Yeah. Like, I don't know why I liked that comment so much, but I think it's like he just understood what Jimmy's going through or, and I don't know how, what it's like to become a man, but I mean, it's tough growing up. And I was thinking about that comment and I was like, okay, well, like before this, Jimmy was like living in a trailer, like doing drugs and right. God, like whatever else, like he didn't have a job or didn't have responsibilities or like, whatever he was doing, it didn't seem like he was waking up every day at the crack of dawn. And putting in know. a hard day's work, yeah. Right. So, I feel like this is a huge wake-up call for Jimmy. And, like, he's just different now. And so, I liked that Lloyd sort of commented on that. Like yes, recognizing sh- that, yeah. Yeah. Like, you're becoming a man now. So, I liked that. But, yeah, poor Jimmy. I do feel bad for the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got the brand, so he can't go anywhere. I know. All right. Circle of trust. So, we get a new bunkhouse boy. We do. I am excited. So, this was interesting. I wasn't quite picking up the last episode where John was telling Rip to get a new hand at the penitentiary. Like, I thought they knew who they were getting. I didn't realize it was basically just, hey, you, you got a cowboy hat on. Like, come over here. And I didn't realize that the Yellowstone had a reputation already. So, he's like, oh, I've heard about you guys. Yeah. So I like that vague back and forth they had, but yet they both knew exactly what they were talking about. Yeah. But we're still so, here, kind of here going, well, what does he know about the Yellowstone? Yeah. Like, what's I mean, they he knew. So Rip sort of questioning him on why you're in, like, what are you in for and where else have you worked? And this is like a very non-conventional job interview. Yeah. Basically. And if you take the job, there is a, a price to pay. There's a condition. So he's like already heard of it. Which I thought this was like some sort of deep, dark secret. Right. Like the, like a super secret handshake or something. Right. With a so branding how come, iron. How come this random dude knows about it? Yeah. And it's just vague enough to be like, huh. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's musical. He's a musical parolee. Yay. I actually, so like we said, I've seen all of Yellowstone through season three. And I come to love this guy. His name's Walker on the show, but his real name is Ryan Bingham. And he's a musician. Yes. Like in Nashville. So he's on Instagram, always singing, always playing the guitar. They put his music on the show. Like even this episode, his music is in the background of the episode. Yeah. Well, it actually features for just a few moments, right? Actually in the episode. And then they closed out the credits with him. Yes. 
which so is I lo- just I great. love that. So you have to learn He's his really- voice because he does yes. feature a lot. Um, and it's, and you know, show. kudos to the show for making sure that they highlight his good work. Yeah, I agree. I love it. So I love Walker like in general, but I love, <laughs> I just love his whatever attitude. He's yeah, like, I mean, he's kind of cocky, but at the same yeah, time, he's kind of like, like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Meh. It's kind of like what yeah. I get from him. Like I could, I could go work for you or I could go work somewhere else. It's basically his attitude. Like. Um, well, he, well, he says, well, what else am I going to do? Like, right. well, where else do I got to go? So I like his attitude. I agree. And just the, the, the musical aspect that he brings, just it brings a different mood now to the bunkhouse for me. Mm-hmm. I did find it was funny that they were like, you know, play us a song. And he's you know, like, well, that's a happy one. And, and uh, you, you had mentioned before about Colby's statement yeah. about a uh, Walker song. Like, <laughs> so a- he's like. Play me happy or sad. He goes play happy, and then he sings this like really soulful song. Dirge, it was really good. <laughs> it's a great and song. It was sad, and he was like, "Well, if that's your happy, don't ever play me sad." Like, right. Good God, man! I thought that was pretty funny, but I like Colby. I like his little sarcastic comments here. Yes, and there. I agree. I need more of the Bunkhouse Boys because they I do agree. bring a level of realism, reminding you where they're at and how hard a lifestyle this is. Yeah, Jimmy. You know Jimmy's moments here and there show that this is not an easy place to live and not an easy place to work. And then just having Walker just brings another dynamic to it that I, I think is going to be really good. So I th- hope that they bring more of them in as they've fleshed out like the big parts of the season plot. I feel like yeah. that they need to bring in some more of this to like I could have done less with the the custom made gun and the Cade McCutcheon stuff in the early part of the episode give yeah me, more. Give me more of these guys yeah because they're going to be around like right. they're going to be in these episodes so it'd be great to like get to know them and like let them be some of the humor too I did think it was interesting that when they were starting to brand Walker that Ooh. only cons get the brand yeah so the fact that Casey has it I know. Just raises questions and not for anything. Why doesn't John have one? I mean, this right. man has broken well, the law left, a... right, and center, but, you know, if he's... He's never got caught, I guess. I guess thinly veiled as law enforcement. It's, you know, they take care of their own. But, yeah, so at the very end, Monica sees him get this brand. Ugh. I was just... I like was just... My mouth was agape. I was like, oh, my God. I said, what is going through her mind right now? Like, can we have a lot more episodes where no one gets branded like this is there's yeah, been a lot and it's hard to it's like two in a row or something like okay it's no. hard to watch it's bothering me that casey has the brand because like what has he done to yeah i don't think he's to deserve jail, it or to right? have earned it I, I don't i don't think he would be in the special forces in the military if he has a, a felony on his record that's true yeah i just don't think I, I believe he would just be enlisted yeah, and would not have risen to the rank that he had. I mean, he had special forces training. He got a Navy star. He got a, uh, I'm sorry, he got a bronze star from the Navy. That is yeah. highly intelligent work. Like my brother got a bronze star. He, oh, he got the Navy cross. That's what, that's what Casey got. My brother got a bronze star when he was in the military, he was in Iraq and he mm-hmm. was working in intelligence and the assignment that he was on, basically he earned that because of basically saving a multitude of lives. And my brother was an officer in the Navy. So you don't get that unless you are in a certain 
caliber of rank right. or happened to be in the right place at the right time. But he, based on his training and where he's going back to, he could not have gotten there if he had a felony. So right. I'm curious now more so as to why he has this. It really bugs me. Yes, it's bothering me now because... And the fact that Monica is now seeing it and now she's connecting back what her husband went through. Right. Is raising some very negative questions in my mind. It's just bizarre. Like why Casey has it. And I don't think Lee had it. I mean, it's bizarre why anybody has it. Yeah, oh, yeah. We're, we're like accepting certain right. weirdness of this whole situation. We're accepting like, some of this. But yeah, the fact that his son has it. And obviously, just like I'm going to go on a limb and say Jamie doesn't have it. And I'm going to say I don't think Lee had it based on what we've seen so far of no. the one or two episodes. What are we at, Lee? One episode? Oh, he got one episode. Yeah, yeah. he got one episode. He didn't get the way all the way through the episode. Damn it. Poor I like that guy. Yeah. It was his birthday a couple weeks ago. They were, in, I, I had him on Instagram and we're like, hey. I follow him on Instagram. He posts a lot. Dave Annabelle. Yeah. His, him and his wife were like super cute. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like how I said that? It's, yeah. I uh, know. Um, no. So Lee didn't seem to have the brand. I mean, this is just, it, it's weird. It's weird. And I don't like it, but I, but I feel that. This is going to be something they're going to have to resolve now because Monica's seen it. Man, and I felt so bad for their like little romantic night in the trapper cabin. That went, yeah, that, that went south terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. They got a fight, and then she goes outside and sees people getting branded. I'm like, man, yeah. that night took a turn. Yeah, <laughs> didn't I'm, I bet I you didn't think that was going to come out? No, I know. Like, how many nights long do you get? And you ruined it with some branding, right? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so that is not the getaway that I want. So, well, well, I love this episode. I love every episode. Yeah. But like, I fact, I find that they're finding their groove now that Mm -hmm. they don't have to be so busy that they can now flesh out some of these storylines and use characters sparsely. Like Jamie, I feel like Jamie was used sparsely. Um, John to an extent, this was really about Monica and Casey and, and all the just the interplay between them and how they're going to get out of their predicaments. Yeah. Because it just doesn't seem that they're going to be able to go back to the reservation. That's the way it just looks to me. At least not the way that they were before. Right. Because it's just how Things much has changed. Well, and, and just a like sort of side note on this, too, was that it was said in this episode, like, Casey's not making any money, like, being a horse trainer and giving away his horses. So, like, she's, are they living, you know, they're, like, living on her school teacher, teacher salary. Right. So, I mean, you're right. Like, they don't have a lot of options there. Right. I wonder how far of a drive is it from the Dutton Ranch to her school? Because maybe it's feasible to commute. What do you think? <laughs> do you think I could? I'll talk to Monica's boss. So yeah, we'll come see. in a little bit later. Maybe a little bit later. <laughs> well, I don't know. Tate's got to get to school too. That's true. Um, but like when I, <laughs> back in the real world, when uh, <laughs> I used to go to work every day outside of my right? house, it would take me an hour and a half. An hour and a half each oh, way. Gosh. No. Yes, each way. Sheila. Yeah. I would have to take uh, the Long Island Railroad from my... Uh, what time did you get up? Well, this is, a, this is a question for like when I finally do have to actually get up and go back to an office. I'm not going to be able to do that anymore because I used to get up at 5.15 in the morning. Uh. Now I get up at 7.15 in the morning. 
That's two hours of more sleep. Yes. And I was usually at work by 8.15. So I would be on like, so but time so from the time I would leave my house, I had to drive to a train station, to park, catch a train about 55 minutes or so into either Brooklyn or Manhattan. And then I would take a subway and then it's like a five minute walk. But yeah, oh it was an hour and a half door to door. So like when things like yesterday I had to pick my son up from school, he wasn't feeling good. I was like, okay, I'll be there in 10 minutes. Whereas back in the real world, um, like, I would be like, I would hours. call my friend, my best friend. She lives five minutes away. I'd be like, can you, can you go get my kid? <laughs> oh my gosh. Or if my mom is nearby or something like that. But usually I would just call my friend because she's the nearest. But I yeah. thought my husband's commute was bad. His is like 45 minutes, but an hour and a half. Girl. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Well, that's, that's like, I'd say it's a little on the average to high for people who live around here. For the most part. Oh, really? Yeah, because, like, I live in the suburbs. I live in Long Island, where it's, like, a suburb of, like, the city of New York. Yeah. And, like, I'm the next county outside of Queens, which is the end of the five boroughs. But for me, I used to work in Queens, and then I moved to Manhattan, so it became a little bit longer of a commute, but not all that much longer, because I used to drive to Queens, and with traffic, it would take me about an hour, hour and ten. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so the train was great for me, because I could watch Yellowstone, I could sleep, right? I could read a book. <laughs> I actually watched all of Game of Thrones on the sub like on, <laughs> on basically <laughs> on my uh, on my commute so you know game of thrones i somehow have to angle the phone away so that people couldn't see all the graphic sex scenes be like what is right? she watching but <laughs> like, it's 8 a.m woman exactly <laughs> but um yeah i watched all of game of thrones on my commuter train basically oh, wow. so yeah oh, gosh. um so time well spent for me I, I used to take a nap most days in the afternoon so yeah. i do miss my afternoon siesta but i don't have to wake up at 5 15 <laughs> so you know there's the um Sorry. Sorry, guys. That was my cat. <laughs> your cat. Hi, um, kitty. That's Oliver. Um, yeah, so I don't have to, you know, do the two hours in the morning. I am not going to be able to get up back at 5.15 if this ever happens again. Like, I have to go back oh, to work. Oh, gosh, girl. So keep me home. I'm happy here. Yeah. <laughs> nice. All right, enough so, about me. <laughs> yes. Last question, though. It is, this is being recorded in October 2020. Yes. So, what are your kid? What's your son going to be for Halloween? He is going to be Scar from The Lion King. No. Yes. So I got him. So I was like, dude, we so cute. I was like, dude, we got to do something with the mask because it's 2020. Yeah. Um, so I found on Etsy a Scar oh, Lion King that's mask. Where you found it. So it has the nose, the mouth, and like the cheeks all done. And can I tell you, this mask fits my seven-year-old son's face better than anything else. And it was like thirteen bucks. I'm like, what? this is amazing. So, and then I bought some, you know, just Halloween makeup, just a different color palette. Yeah. And so I'm going to do his, basically from where the mask ends up to his forehead, uh, yeah. do the makeup. And I got him a black wig because Scar has black hair. Yeah. And I got him like lion claws and black nail polish. So Are we're going to. serious? Yeah. I, I can't believe you said that because my son asked to be Lion King. Seriously? I'm like on Am I'm serious. And on Amazon, like the Lion King costumes, I'm like these. Oh yeah. Like, we're wearing, whatever. he's wearing an orange shirt and I got him a tail. That's what I. Yeah. It wasn't going to work. And whatever they had was like 50, 60, but yeah, I'm not doing that. So I talked to, so we're looking for lion costumes and I couldn't find them. So I forget what else he suggested. That wasn't going to work out. So then we're, he was like, what about a tiger? 
Mm-hmm. And so I bought him this, like, he's nine. So it's like a onesie, uh-huh. like a full long sleeve pants with the hoodie, with the lion, I mean, the tiger mane and like a tiger tail coming off of it. And he is so adorable. That is amazing. Like, it's so cute. But he wanted to be Lion King. So I can't believe you found it because now he's going to I, I was just like, well, the Amazon had like this full head scar yes. mask, but it was meant for an adult. I'm like, you're seven. I mean, like, yeah, yeah. you're approaching... You know, my and shoulder. It was probably like sixty bucks or it something was, crazy. It was forty bucks. I mean, it's a lot. Yeah, but that's a lot for a costume. Yeah, for one piece of it. But I'm yeah. like, I have enough makeup skills that I can do your eyes like a lion. Basically, I have to do like gel eyeliner on your eyebrows to yeah. make them really black, and just do some foundation and uh, some brown eyeshadow. Yes. So. So There's a lot my... of makeup tutorials out there on Scar from Lion King, believe it or not. That is crazy. Yeah. I can't believe you found it because my son would have loved that. But Oh, I made him go on YouTube. I'm like, find the one that you want me to try to copy. So now I got to practice on myself. And... Oh, gosh. Ooh, <laughs> take a picture. I want to see. I'll do it on TikTok. Okay, good. I'll say something like nasty like Scar says. Ooh, I bet there's a sound. Like you just search Ooh, I'll for the sound. I'll have to sounds. find it, yeah. Yeah. So my uh, my son is a tiger, nice. and he won't let me put any makeup on his face, so he's just going to okay, be that's fine. wearing But that he's outfit. got the whole body regalia. Yeah, it's the whole so. thing. And then my daughter's Elsa. Awesome. And so I'm going to put, like, silver sparkles on her cheek and in her hair nice. and all this stuff. And then my other son is Lego Batman. <gasps> and it's the cutest Fantastic. Costume. It's like a hard, it's not hard shell, but it's formed. Right. So when he, I have a picture. Oh my gosh, he's so cute because it has the helmet like a yeah. like a Lego head, and then it has the gloves where it's like little the Lego hands with the like C shape. <laughs> it's the cutest thing. That I've ever is seen. tremendously adorable. It's so cute. And then I'm going to be David Rose from Schitt's Creek. <gasps> You're not. I am. Oh my god. I got black Converse. Um, I have, I bought a sweater on Etsy, the lightning bolt sweater that he has in one of the season promos. Oh my God. And I found the white sunglasses. They're like Kurt Cobain inspired sunglasses. Amazon had those. And, um, I already have dark hair, so I just have to like tie it back and like poof it up. Oh my gosh. Please do a TikTok of that with justice. Oh my God. Yes. And I feel like this is going to be the gift that keeps on giving because I can just do this forever because there's a billion David Rose quotes. I love it. Yes. I'm going to be Wonder Woman. Nice. I was Wonder Woman two years ago. Yeah. She was very popular. I went to my part of my pos- co- blah, blah, blah. part of my costume didn't come in the mail. So I went to Party C last night and there was one more like mm. Wonder Woman shirt. And the guy, I was like, I got the last one. He's like, yeah, Wonder Woman is very popular. <laughs> I was like, okay, it's fine. I was, I was uh, yeah, it was Wonder Woman two years ago. Two years ago? Three years ago. Because two years ago I was Freddie Mercury because the movie was coming yeah. out. Oh, awesome. And last year I was Captain Marvel. I honestly think that Halloween is more for me than it is for my son. He just gives me right? a good cover. <laughs> like, look, we all have to dress up because he needs us yes. to celebrate. Yes. Yeah. My husband's Batman, but he's Batman every year. So. Oh, that's, that's okay. He's just like, has one costume and he's like, no, I'm Batman. <laughs> so like, now you're okay. going to have to do who did it better, your son or your husband. Oh, they're going to be so cute. <laughs> one year my uh, oldest son... Like, would not accept the fact that we could not all be Batman. So for one year, we were all five of us. <laughs> that is amazing. And it was pretty cute. That is cute. But we we're like, well, can I be this? And, you know, your sister can be that. No, Batman. We're Batman. I was like, okay. Apparently, we're all Batman. Hey, some, but, some days you just got to do for your family. You just got to be like, okay, yeah. fine. Yeah, we're all Batman. It worked out. He was convinced. So 
he convinced the rest of us. I'm trying to convince my husband to be Moira, but he won't go for it. Oh, <laughs> seriously? What's your husband's name again? John. John. Come on, John, please. Yeah. I think I could please. probably get... Oh, so the other thing with David Rose is that I was practicing last night overdrawing my eyebrows. Yeah. Because I have to have the big, bushy David eyebrows. So I think I can yes. do it. And that's really it, you know? That's yeah. really it for David. I have black the leggings. Glasses. If you have the glasses and the sweater, then yeah, you're and golden. then like I can just like poof up my hair and just tie the the long part of it back, so it'll be gone. I love it. Oh yep. my gosh, fun times. Yes. All right. Well, I will meet you back here next week. Yes. We're gonna be talking on about episode six. Episode six. So there's only nine episodes this season. So we're yeah. we're rapidly Moving approaching along. the end. So the next one is called the remembering. So this will be interesting. Ooh. Well, thanks for listening. This is Steph. And this is Sheila. If you could go ahead on over to Apple Podcasts to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. So whenever we release a new one, you will definitely get a notification. And if you could give us five stars, that would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.